Hello, beautiful humans. You bet it's new. And now, on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Billy Billy Broadcast, where I answer questions you guys have asked me on TikTok and sometimes talk about things that interest me. I put out a video on Tuesday asking everyone on TikTok to ask me general questions about myself maybe, but today it's a little bit of a twist. I asked everybody to write down things that they assume about me or my life and I'd be happy to tell them if they're right or not. And yes, I 100% could see how this could go terribly wrong. And honestly, that's the best part. As always, I put all the questions into a randomizer. So whatever this randomizer spits out at me is what I will be answering. So here we go. Assumption. You were the goth girl in high school. (laughs) No. (laughs) I wasn't in anything in high school. I definitely love the color black, but I also loved lots of bright colors. But I was the school punching bag. I had a back brace and braces and frizzy curly hair and I was part of the AV club. Um, I was a tutor. I had a 40 hour a week job. I was nobody's favorite person. I had no friends in high school. I literally ate lunch in one of my teacher's classrooms every day just to get away from the bullies. So did I love dark things while I was in high school? Absolutely. I have always been drawn to really macabre, interesting things. I've always loved Victorian era things. I love old architecture. I love old history, creepy history. Um, I used to be really into the idea of paranormal stuff, not necessarily believing in it, but trying to understand where people get the idea that something is paranormal. It just goes on and on forever. But as far as outward looks, no, I was definitely not the goth girl in high school. What lipstick am I wearing? I get this question maybe five to ten times a day uh, through comments on TikTok. Uh, For the umpteenth time, everybody, it is by a brand called Boutique. It is sold at Sally Beauty. The color I wear the most is called Blackberry. It's also pretty all natural. It doesn't make me break out. I'm allergic to a lot of preservatives and makeup, so I love it and I stick by it because it's one of the only things I can actually wear. What is your favorite niche topic? You strike me as somebody who knows a lot about historic photography. No, actually, that would be my partner. You can find him on here, um, Hex Media. He collects old vintage cameras, loves the history of film. His father worked for Kodak for 30 years when it was still around. It's a whole family thing for him. Um, As far as things that are niche and old phonographs, I have a collection of them and I have fixed all of them and I'm about to start updating the one that he got me for my birthday. I was about to say Christmas, but no, my birthday. Uh, That's a double barreled 19, I think it's 22 Uh, It's a VV210 by Victrola, and that one needs to be completely just cleaned out and and oiled real good. Uh, It's funny because people on TikTok know me for Pyrex, and I keep trying to tell people, I'm like, I appreciate that I took off because of Pyrex. I know way too much about historical glass. It's kind of embarrassing, honestly, because I could blab about it for days, and nobody really gives a crap. Well, I guess guess 198,000 people give a crap now, but I, I just love phonographs more. I find them interesting. I love 
phonograph discs. I love the way phonographs work. I love the history behind it. I love the drama behind it because there was a lot between uh, Edison and everybody else on the scene at the time. Once again, I could go on for days about it. I want to know more about this glass walking craziness. <laughs> I don't find it crazy. I find it quite mundane compared to what a lot of my friends do. Glass walking is just an old sideshow act uh, where, you know, you break um, wine bottles or beer bottles and you can walk across broken glass without uh, hurting yourself. Um, I take it a bit farther as most glass walkers do. I jump on it. I grind it with my feet. But I, I don't I don't find it to be crazy, I guess. Like once again, my friends, I have friends who are on tight ropes. I have friends that are soaring through the air. I have friends that eat fire. Uh, I have friends that do all sorts of stuff. I do more dangerous things than that. I do blockhead, which is where I stick a nail up into my nose and literally hammer it into my head. So I don't, I don't find glass walking to be too interesting, I guess. I'm always shocked when people go, that's insane. And I'm like, I, I'm just getting started. This is so normal for me. If you guys really want to see something crazy, go on Google and look up mental floss. Mental floss. That one will throw you for a loop. Assumption. You make sure you put on the exact same lipstick every single time you make a video. So it's not that I make sure I put on the exact same type of lipstick. It's that there's only a couple of brands of lipstick I can wear um, without getting sick or breaking out. And... I prefer them because they don't hurt me. <laughs> and it just so happens that they come in really deep colors. The other colors that the two brands I use offer are very, very bright or coral tones. And they don't look good on my skin tone. So I have a really weird blended skin tone. And so dark berry tones, like warm purples uh, or blue reds, do really well on me. So it's not so much that I, I try to wear the same lipstick on purpose. It's just that that's what happens to be lying around. And I actually wear three different colors on a consistent basis. It's just the lighting always makes it look like it's the same deep purple that I'm wearing. But I wear one called raspberry, one called wine, and one called blackberry most often. And then the other brand I wear is NYX. Um, the liquid suede lipstick and I have one called vintage and another one called club hopper and those two tones look exactly like the boutique tones as well so at any time I could be wearing any five of those and they'll all kind of look the same depending on what lighting I'm in assumption you drive a hearse if not why don't you yet <laughs> um my partner is obsessed with hearses, has always wanted one, um, eventually wants to get one to soup it up. Me, I actually drive an economy car. It gets over 30 miles to the gallon. I love my little car. I adore it. It's from 2013 and it gets me around. Like I really don't care what I drive. Is it on the list to buy one day? Yes. My partner has made it a mission in life to eventually have a hearse that we can day drive in around to events and whatnot if the world ever gets back to normal. Assumption, you have a lot of time and live in or by a personal museum and are surrounded by people who know things and you really like history. Okay, this one's loaded, so I'm going to try to answer this without taking up too much time. Do I have a lot of time? I do not. I work a full-time job, sometimes overtime. Well, I shouldn't say sometimes. Most of the time, overtime. Um, I work in logistics, and that takes up a mass majority of my life. 
Um, I, I do not. People have this horrible assumption that I am a content creator by trade and that I make any money off of TikTok. And that is a complete lie. I do not make a dime off of TikTok. I'm not part of the creators fund because they throttle your views. Like you don't get any views after you join the creator fund. I don't get any kind of sponsorships. I am left to my own devices. Having this podcast cost me money. People are wanting me to set up a P.O. box and that costs money. I don't have money for that. People want me to add to my collections. I don't have money for that right now. I'm saving all of my money. I can't tell you for what yet. That That's going to come in May. But I am saving up every dime I have currently to make sure things go the way I want them to go this upcoming year. And I just, I, I don't have money or time. <laughs> um, I live in or by a personal museum. So if you want to say that all the things set up in my house are my personal museum, sure. Absolutely. I'm surrounded by really cool items that a lot of people do not have. I find them normal. I'm surrounded by people who know things and who also really like history. Okay. I have not been surrounded by anybody for 10 months. I have been in my house. I've been out of my house six times in 10 months. I have not seen anybody that doesn't live in my household for 10 months. Before COVID, did I see people who enjoy my interests? Yes. We have some pretty good friends. They own Anastasia's Antiques in downtown Philly off of South Street. And Stacy and Scott, I want to be Stacy when I grow up, if that makes any sense. I'm almost 30, but I want to be Stacy when I grow up. She owns a double wide brownstone store and it is filled literally to the ceiling with oddities, just oddities. And she can tell you every single thing you'd ever want to know about every item that's in there. She is a walking encyclopedia. I look up to her thoroughly. She's also one of the sweetest people I've ever met. And she's hilarious. And she's a conservationist. She specifically collects things, if she can find them, specifically collects things originating from Philadelphia. She only wants to make sure that people don't forget about Philly history. The good, the bad, and the ugly. No matter who you are, what you are, where you come from, she loves everybody. If I could be Stacy when I grow up, I could die happy. So am I surrounded by people currently? No. Pre-COVID, was I surrounded by people? Yeah. And I just named two people. It's Stacy and Scott. I could go on for days about other people that we know that do the same thing we do. And they are just a joy to have around. Everybody go get vaccinated, please. So we can get back to uh, some tinge of normalcy and go about our lives. Because coming up March 13th, I will have been in my house continuously for 12 months. And I'm kind of over it. I assume that you own taxidermy. False. False. We do not own any taxidermy. Question. How are you doing? Are you feeling better? Oh, thanks. I'm okay. Um, I'm feeling less nihilist about TikTok. I am still feeling overwhelmed. Um, I feel slightly taken advantage of. I am going to be making a video later this week setting my boundaries so people are well aware of what is expected of them if they would like me to answer. At first it was people asking me for, you know, what is this? But now it's people sending me just a picture 
on Instagram and then going, what is this? No, hi, no, how are you? No, thank you in advance. Nothing, not introducing themselves, just throwing pictures at me and going, what is it? Like, I'm not going to answer that. I'm sorry. Like, if you can't see me as a person, I can't can't help you. Like, I, I, at first I was trying to help everyone, regardless of how rude they were, out of fear that people would unfollow me or something stupid because I didn't answer them. And now I just don't care. If you're upset with me because I didn't answer your rude message, I don't know what to tell you. I I try to answer as many people as I possibly can. It is exhausting. And as stated earlier, I don't get paid for any of this. I make zero dollars answering people. It kind of sucks sometimes. Also, people constantly asking to see my collection. It's frustrating, which leads me to my next question. Can we see your collection? No. No, you can't. And there's a few reasons for that. Will I show a few pieces at a time? Sure. Absolutely. Why I don't show my full collection at one time is because, and you can blame the the crappy people, just like every other law that needs to be made. It's because someone did something bad. It's because of all the crappy people who have come on my page and, and come into my Instagram DMs demanding things from me and demanding to know something. The moment I put everything out online, I'm going to get a barrage of people being like, I want to know what this is or what's that one? Can you explain that one? And as much as I am so happy that you guys want to know what stuff is, that makes my heart so excited. But as with anything else, there is a correct way to go about it. And for all the really sweet people, I'm sorry. I'm so I'm trying. All the sweet, wonderful, gracious, amazing people that are sending me like, hello, how are you today? I love your videos. Can you help me with this? I love you guys. I love you guys so much because you're so sweet and it makes my day. I promise you, I'm trying to get to everybody that I can, but at some point I get really exhausted. And if I can't get to you or, you know, something, please understand it's nothing to do with you and it's everything to do with, I'm just really tired. But for the people that are being rude, this is why you can't see my whole collection because I wholeheartedly expect you guys to be terrible again. That's a boundary I'm setting. Will I show my whole collection? No. No, I won't. Will I one day? I'll give you a timeline. The earliest you'll see my whole collection of everything I own, oddities, Pyrex, furniture, weird crap, uh, whatever. I mean, the list goes on forever. I have lots of little collections. May. May 2021 is the earliest you will see all of that. I don't have the spoons or the mental capacity for it to be any bit earlier. Thank you for your understanding and coming to my TED Talk. Ooh, I love this. What is your favorite shellac album in your collection? <laughs> my favorite shellac album is called Intermission by Stan Kenton. What do you wish more people knew about collecting or something that you have found in your hobby that you want to share? Okay, the thing I wish people would understand is that rare does not mean expensive, Expensive does not mean good, um, and good does not mean rare. It's, it's like a triangle. When I like something a lot, people tend to have this idea in their head that the reason I like it is because it's worth a lot. No. This is why I don't appraise things. I 
like the history behind things. If you want an appraisal, my videos tell you exactly what that product is. My videos every single time take the words I have said and plug them into Google or even better into eBay or an auction website and you will nine times out of 10 immediately find past sales of whatever I'm speaking about and that should give you a good idea of market value. Now market value is completely different from auction value. It is also completely different from historical value and historical value is what I thrive on. All things eventually give way to time. And that's just how the world works. And my goal is to make sure that these tidbits of time are kept preserved so that we can look back on it and go, look at this thing that we have now. Isn't that cool? Here's what it used to look like a hundred years ago. And you can see the progression of how it's changed over the years, the evolution of that product. I said in my last podcast, I like to look at things and understand why the heck they look the way they look now. There's a reason for everything. Things don't just pop up out of the blue. There is major trial and error with every item you touch. It's everything. Computers, lamps, chairs, rugs, uh, dishes, Pyrex, whatever. Every single thing. Every single thing has a rich, deep history behind it. And I can find beauty in everything. This is the simplest question that I typed into the randomizer. I was hoping it would come up. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Sweater weather? Yes, that is all. Assumption, you live with four cats. And when you were younger, you wanted to be a mortician. Wrong, wrong. Here we go. I hate cats. <laughs> I love cats. I love certain cats. I love a lot of my friends' cats. I will never own another cat in my life. In my life, unless I have a barn and I need a barn cat that lives outdoors and is happy being out there, I will not own another cat. I will not clean another litter box forever. I am a total dog person. I have three dogs. I love them dearly. I just find them to be more endearing. Um, when I was younger, I want to be a mortician. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The idea, like I know people have passed away. I get that. But the idea of cutting into a person, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too squeamish for that. Um, I'm, I fear hurting people. Even when I bump into people on the street, I am immensely upset. I'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Get ready. Uh, when I was little, came home from preschool and we had all been told to draw pictures of what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I drew a cement truck driver. And all I could say was, when you're driving, you complain about the potholes all the time. You complain about the potholes. So I figured if I was a cement truck driver, I could just fill all the potholes and it would make you happy. And for a very long time, I was trying to figure out why in the world I drew a cement truck driver because it couldn't have been for the potholes. And what I found out is that I don't care what I do for a living as long as I am making people smile. I just want to make people happy. So I don't care what I do. Growing up, I had tons of things I wanted to do. And the, the common denominator within all of those jobs is that the end result was making someone's day easier, better, and making them happy. That's all I want. And in logistics, that's my job too. My job is to make sure that our clients are happy and they get their stuff on time and things are easy and something that would normally stress them out just doesn't stress them out anymore. If I can make your day better... Let me know. It can be as simple as getting you a cup of coffee or arranging 10 truckloads to drop something off. Whatever you need. I'm here for you. 
You look like the kind of girl that would like M&M's. What's your favorite candy? <laughs> okay, peanut M&M's, but hands down, well, I'll, I'll do two, two things because trust me, they're different. Um, my main movie theater candy staple, Sour Patch Kids, as far as like a specialty candy that I have a hard time finding, dark chocolate covered dried cranberries. I'm obsessed I'm obsessed. I haven't had them for 10 months because I would normally buy them from a store that's in Philly called Sprouts. And we haven't been able to get out there because we only literally drive a quarter of a mile down the road to get groceries. And I haven't even been to the grocery store since March. And I would give my right leg right now to have dark chocolate covered dried cranberries. I would do anything. It's, it's dark chocolate covered craisins really is what it is. But dang, they're hard to find. And every time I try to get them off of Amazon, they're from like a sketchy website that I don't trust. And the brand that I like eating is from Sprouts. And they don't deliver. And every time I've tried to do an Instacart with it, they're out. So if anybody's got those and wants to hit me up on Instagram and send them to me, I will do anything for those right now. Oh, this one's been asked twice. I'm so sorry for not answering this one on my first podcast. My bad. Um, what is your opinion on, or advice on disclosure of disabilities within the workplace? I got you. Okay. So it is a double-edged sword. That's one thing. If you think that something bad will happen, like you're living paycheck to paycheck and you are terrified that if you were to divulge that information, that you would lose your job and then in turn lose say your house or your apartment or your car or something like that for by all means protect yourself I sit in a place of privilege being able to tell my employer that I have a disability and knowing that they will take care of me not everyone has that luxury not everyone has that luxury at my old job I did not have that luxury whatsoever I could have easily lost my job for disclosing that I had a disability if you feel safe when you apply for jobs, go ahead and tell them about your disability. And here's why. Major manufacturers, major corporations need to hold, do, like and EEOC requires this, by the way, a 7% rating of disability workers within their workforce or above. That's just law. When you are applying to a job, most places will have a section that says, if you have a disability, mark all of them you want. And if you want to explain further, you can. Nobody sees that. But what it does is it pushes your, like all of your credentials up to the top. Uh, recruiters will see that faster just because a lot of times, I mean, corporations are nasty and it gets away from them. They're too busy hiring able-bodied people. And then all of a sudden they'll get hit with an EEOC compliance we deserve jobs. And the EEOC is there to make sure that we have jobs. Now, say you're applying for a job and you say you're disabled and you think that the only reason you weren't hired or something changed is because you're disabled. Say you didn't even say it on your resume, say it on your intake paperwork, whatever. And you go to your interview and you are either, you know, visibly disabled and something changes or you're invisibly disabled. You divulge it and then something changes. They go from being like, you'd be a great fit to, oh, I'm sorry, we're not looking anymore. All of a sudden you have every right to go file an EEOC and say, I was discriminated against because of my disability. There is nothing wrong with that. There is no shame in that. It is not a money grab. People need to stop feeling bad about 
pinning corporations to the wall. You've got to stop feeling bad about that. You need to stop listening to your internalized ableism being like, well, you're disabled. And so, I mean, maybe they want an able-bodied Who cares? If you can do the job, you can do the job, the end. And that's all there is to it. That's your right. That's your right. And you need to stand firm in that because the only way it's going to change is if more people stand up and say, this is my right. Scare the corporations. We don't give a damn. Scare them. They're taking all of our money anyway. If you want to sit at the table and play the game, play it dirty. Like, there's no, no shame in that at all. That brings me back to my first point, though. If you feel like you're going, if you already have a job and you feel like you could possibly lose your job if you were to divulge your disability to HR or whoever, by all means, if you don't feel safe, don't do it. That's okay. However, if you're feeling a little feisty and you want to go in there and say, hey, I have a disability and you have a doctor's note and all that jazz and all of a sudden you get fired, file an EEOC. I don't care. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I can help you through it. <laughs> I don't I don't give a shit. I used to work for big corporations. I don't care. I don't care. They make millions of dollars a year. The last thing you want them to do is take advantage of you. And if you're like, well, they're just going to give me a payout. Good. 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 They have the money to do it. Trust me. Now, I did answer this one within the comments, but I feel like this is also an assumption that a lot of people make. And unfortunately, for the wrong reason, this is a spicy podcast where I am confronting a lot of people right now. Sorry, guys, but if you want you wanted the assumptions. I'm giving the answers. Um, assumption, you live with your parents and you're super close. Also, you're an only child. No, 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 no. We'll start with the easiest part. I'm not an only child. I have a younger sibling. I love her dearly. She's awesome. I live with my parents. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I've been on my own since I was 18. My parents, while I was in college, made me homeless because they were upset that I asked them to please stop beating me. I don't talk to my parents. No, I haven't talked to my parents in a long time. I do not give a shit about my parents. They can do whatever they want. Their entire goal in my life has been to make sure that I feel as tiny as possible so that I will rely on them. And fun story, it's been 11 years since I've had to rely on them and I really don't care what they do anymore. They're they're doing death throws right now because it's been like I would go like maybe a month or two without talking to them and I would talk to them because I would happen to call my sister and say hi. But now it's just cold turkey. I refuse. It's been months since I've talked to them. I will not. And they hate that shit. They want me to be upset. They want me to be sad. Um, and of course, everybody around them is hearing the sob story about how I'm a selfish, horrible, awful person. How could you ever abandon your mother and father? No. No. So to answer your question... um, Hell no to all of it. That brings up another point. I had one on here and I erased it because I was getting really irritated. Someone said the only reason you have all of the things you have and the reason you own a house is because of mommy and daddy's money. No. Bought my house on my own with my own money I saved myself. Everything I own is mine. It's not attached to anybody. The literal only thing that I owe money on is my house and my car because financing. <laughs> but besides that, every single thing I touch in my home, I bought myself. 
but I've worked my damn ass off and I'm not going to feel bad or ashamed for that. Assumption, you're a boss ass bitch. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to say yes or no to that, but if that's your opinion of me, thank you, sweet human. Are you a thruple? I have nothing against polyamory, polyromanticism. I don't care. I have tons of friends that are in poly relationships. That's great. That's what works for them. Personally, it doesn't work for me, nor does it work for my partner. Uh, my partner and I are monogamous. And um, when I say we are the most monogamous couple on earth, I mean that in a wholeheartedly obsessive way. I am obsessed with my partner. To my core, I am obsessed with him. Everything about him. Everything about him. I love him more than anything in the world. And he loves me more than anything in the world. So am I a thruple? Nope. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm so glad this came up. Okay, you ready? I really want to know what is up with all of the Corel copies of Pyrex patterns. Were they partnered? Was it illegal? What's the backstory? Okay, okay, okay. So fear not, not illegal. Um, partnered, not so much. Owned by, absolutely. So the main brand for Pyrex, Corel, and Corningware is Corning Glassworks. Now, Corning Glassworks, of course, from Corning, New York, made lots of different items. They made Pyrex, Pyrex Flameware, Corel, Corningware, Visionware, um, laminated glass. I mean, it goes on. Corning is one of those companies that was just like, what's the newest thing that we can launch that will fill a gap? People around... 70s or so I think it was were starting to use their dishware rougher and you know it's just part of the time women were flocking to the workforce again uh, post World War II they were in well they were in the workforce in World War II then came home at post World War II and then there was a generation flux and then in the 70s all the women went back to work and so with that you don't have time. Uh, this is when, you know, casseroles were making another big boom. This is when crockpots became huge because people just wanted to have dinner on the table when they got home. And they also needed extremely industrious dishes to go along with it. But hell, what do we do? We've already got all of this Pyrex and we want our stuff to look seamless. And so Pyrex was like, crap. Well, we don't want to give up our product. Okay. So the Pyrex of Division of Corning Glass went to Corning and went, we've got an issue. People are talking about getting rid of all of our stuff to make room for newer, more usable dishware. And it opened up a niche. That niche needed to be filled by Corning and fast. Enter Corel. So Corel is a type of glass that is laminated um, and it takes shock very, very well. I'm talking physical shock. That's why you can drop these things multiple times and they don't break. I mean, they started producing umpteen amounts of these dishware sets with the same patterns from Pyrex so that people wouldn't throw out their Pyrex when they went to go buy 
more dishes. It also works in the inverse way of, holy crap, there's dishes I can use and they match my Pyrex. (laughs) And so people who would have otherwise gone to other brands, tossed all their Pyrex and just switched all their dishware over to something else are now buying Corel plates and cups and dishware in droves just to be able to keep their Pyrex, ultimately keeping corn and glassworks within the household. So as I stated before, if Corning sees a gap in something, they're all over that. Corel split from Corning in the year I was born, 1991. Um, And with them, they took all of the Corel licensing and patterns. So I think a few patterns were still kind of produced by them to to keep the market going but I know they definitely tapered off by 1998 and that's because in 1998 Pyrex the company was sold to Corel Brands keeping it in the family Um, and that's when everything changed Corel's mindset is for things that are in their mind indestructible so that's why Pyrex glass was then all of a sudden 1998 made of soda lime glass. So soda lime glass has a better shock, physical shock resistance to dropping, knocking, things like that than borosilicate, what Pyrex used to be made with. That's great and all, but different strokes for different folks. I can tell you that a lot more people have shattered modern Pyrex in their oven, then they have dropped it on the floor. And that's kind of where they screwed up, in my opinion. So did Corel steal things? No, Corel is literally a sister to Pyrex. Um, And then they, you know, got married later on. It's a whole bunch of incest. If I should honestly make a very long YouTube video talking about the family tree of Corning Glassworks and the two companies that came before Corning Glassworks. And just everything that has sprung from Corning, you would be amazed. Almost every glass product you touch in your house is a derivative of Corning by some stretch or measure. It's kind of creepy, but there's your long-winded answer. Corel didn't steal anything. Corel was gifted something instead. Assumption, you are very short, like five feet or less. <laughs> I am five foot and three quarters of an inch. <laughs> uh, the DMV says I am 5'1". I assume you are 12 feet tall, feed exclusively on the dreams of the owls, and are able to shapeshift into anything red, and you like anchovies. How did you know? <laughs> no, I am 5 feet tall. I do not feed on dreams, unfortunately. Sounds great. Able to shapeshift into anything red... Unfortunately, no. I lost that ability a few years ago. And I like anchovies. Correct. I actually do love anchovies. In salads, specifically. Assumption. You are the scary mom in the group. If there is ever a problem, you get called to handle it. I am, and I get that vibe from you. Sweet until you're not. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't drink. I've never had a drink in my life. And I haven't done any substances that are brain-altering. Ever. Recreationally. Uh, it's really funny because I am the person that carries ibuprofen and Tylenol in my purse, Midol in my purse, um, t- just random crap in my purse, a sewing kit, everything, just because I am, I am mom. 
like if somebody needs a button sewn on or they have a boo-boo or they need some neosporin or their head hurts or they're out getting sloshed and like need me to drive them home 100% that's me assumption you have random knowledge on a bunch of unique subjects but one of them blew up (laughs) correct (laughs) I'm still to this day trying to figure out I was like y'all I've got dead things and phonographs and I got all this cool random crap in my house but y'all want Pyrex like I love Pyrex I do I know a lot about it but I know a lot about a lot of other things So it still blows my mind that Pyrex took off. I'm still kind of like reeling from that. I'm like, okay, people are like Pyrex lady. And now I've kind of, I've kind of like adopted that. Like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Pyrex lady. Sounds good. I assume you have some kind of history degree, but I'd love to learn more about you. I do. My bachelor's degree is in art history. Um, medieval art history to be specific. I, I love I love art history. Honestly, I really think it helps uh, with what I know now. Really, it's just an extension of me growing up loving history. Uh, Art history, art is weaved into everything. So when I say art history, people get this idea that I just stick to paintings or sculptures or things like that. And I'm like, no, you can't understand art unless you understand the time period in which it came from, which is context. That's probably one reason I know a lot of the things I know is because I was forced in a schooling capacity to deep dive into time periods and understand why things look the way they look. Uh, And knowing things about bobs and buttons and things hanging around really helps when identifying time periods of what I'm looking at because I can just look if it's like a a portrait of a man standing next to a Victrola. Uh, I can look at the Victrola and know which one it is and then say, oh, this was painted uh, modern day back then, so contemporarily in the 1920s. And it really, really helps. It really, really does. Does your back cause issues when you perform? I assumed you've had to adapt a lot of acts so you don't injure yourself. My back does not cause issues when I perform, only because I guess I have just, I automatically tweak everything to suit me, if that makes sense. Um, I have no rotation in my spine, so I can't like twist my spine left and right. You know how you guys like crack your back? I can't do that. So I haven't had to adapt acts. I just make acts that don't require me to do that because I can't. So, I mean, from the ground up, I, I can't do that anyway. So why would I stick anything in an act that requires that? I already know my body can't do that. So I guess I subconsciously make everything accessible to myself. <laughs> Thankfully, a lot of my acts like glass walking and walking on fire and, um, you know, blockhead, things like that don't require anything to do with my back anyway. So it doesn't really matter. I assume that you rock out to heavy metal or metalcore. No, actually, um, that's not something I really seek out too much. I am a huge jazz fiend. I love jazz, but my favorite, it's not even a genre. I wish I could find an all-encompassing word for my favorite genre of music, but it is a fusion of jazz, R&B, soul, rap, like highbrow tempos from jazz, like not just general jazz, but like highbrow tempos from jazz with a little bit of classical mixed in. And to give you a good idea of who that might be, I love, 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 love Kendrick Lamar. I love Steely Dan, uh, Donald Fagan. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, God. I, I, just the list goes on. Here, let's do this. I have my phone near me. Of course, it takes forever to load brass tracks. 
Serena Isioma, Kyle Dion, Kyle Lux, Lawrence, Remy Wolf, No Suits, uh, Clipping. Oh my God, if you guys haven't listened to Clipping, you're missing out. Amber Mark, Gloria Tells, Royal and the Serpent. But then, like, I love, like, Peggy Lee, Sinatra. Uh, the list goes on. I, I, I will listen to anything. Uh, Bryn Joy, Jay Prince, Cake, Zeal and Ardor. Y'all need to listen to Zeal and Ardor. If you don't, you need to right now. I won't go into exactly what they do, but that's about as close as I get to actively seeking out hardcore, uh, metalcore, anything like that. I grew up listening to a lot of uh, emo rock with the jazz. Um, It's always been jazz. Keep that in mind. Every single thing I've ever listened to, any phase I've gone through, I've still held on to jazz and then just kind of added to things I like as I've gotten older. But if anything has like a deep root in uh, blues or jazz, immediately I am enamored with it. I've got time for one more. And it actually comes from... (laughs) One of my favorite people, Jay from Team Tripi. What is your favorite way to let your mind take a break from life? Oh, Jay. I really like to zone out and sew. I like to zone out and listen to music. I really enjoy framing things, restoring things. Um, I love card games, mindless video games. I love playing dominoes, but I think my happiest place is cooking. I love standing in my kitchen and just cooking. Um, It's very zen. It's very procedural. I don't have to think about it too much. And then the result is I get yummy food and the people around me also get yummy food and are happy. And that might be one reason I love Pyrex so much. I'm surrounded by it in my kitchen, and it just makes me happy. And it's my happy place. Uh, Before COVID, I would thrift a lot. I would roam around downtown, find fun things to look at. Uh, It's just nice to get... And I miss urban exploring a lot. I miss going to abandoned places. I miss hanging out with friends. I miss seeing people. I miss traveling. I love road trips. I used to go on a lot of them. And I can't anymore. So hopefully soon, once everyone's vaccinated, we can get back to doing stuff like that. But anything that requires procedure and is a little bit monotonous and has some uh, some kind of a formula to it really makes my heart and my brain happy. Well, guys, that concludes this segment of the Billy Billy broadcast. Thank you for all of your spicy questions. Um, Come back here every Thursday afternoon is when I post. Find me on Spotify if you're already here. Hi. Or Buzzsprout if you're already here. Hi. But yeah, take care, you guys. I love you. I'll see you. Bye.